and welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Cousins from under center, straight drop, it's another deep shot, center of the field, on the And welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Kirk, uh, coming off the bye week, and uh, take us through what's been going through your mind this past week when you've had a chance to reflect on what's been going on with this football team and yourself. Yeah, the bye week has always been a time for a lot of self-evaluation, you know, as a team, as an offense, as an individual player. And so this week was, this past week was no different. Um, You think about, you know, what you can do better, what you're doing well, um, and you know, I think the coaches also um, do a great job. You know, with that self scout. Even when we have our time off, they keep uh, delving into the the stats and the analytics and what the results have shown. And so you learn a little bit more about your team and about what you're doing well. And and um, you try to you know trim down some of the things that aren't working as well and uh, try to stick to uh, what has gotten you success so far. If you could elaborate a little bit more, Kirk, I mean, how, how, how do you go about processing all that's happened? Do you watch a lot of tape the first six games? You kind of go through mental checkpoints with, your, with yourself. Uh, any specific things you're looking at to improve on? Uh, you definitely go back. You watch film. Uh, you know, my quarterback coach, Clint Kubiak, did a great job you know, making cut-ups to watch the sacks we've taken, the interceptions we've thrown, the uh, the explosive plays we've had, you know, the good, the good things, the you know, certain types of plays that have been good to us, certain types of plays that haven't been as good to us, and um, and then why? You always have to ask why uh, to just say, oh, this play has been has hasn't worked as well as it did last year. Uh, you what you really want to know is not so much that it hasn't worked as well. You want to know why hasn't it worked as well, and and can it be mm-hmm. corrected, or do we just need to? Try something else. And so the answers to those whys are always really important. Uh, no one has time to feel sorry for anybody in this uh, this league you're in. You won a playoff game a year ago. As you sit coming off the, the bye week, is it stunning that you have this 1-5 record given what you thought was going to happen this year? It's certainly disappointing. Um, not where we want to be right now. Um, but you have to be resilient. You have to uh, keep working. You have to... Um, you know, stay positive, stay upbeat, and uh, keep bringing energy uh, to every practice and, um, and believe that, you know, when you stay the course that eventually it'll turn and uh, you, just, you just keep that mindset. I think back to the Seattle game in particular, any number of those fourth down plays go your way, you win the football game and maybe turn the corner of the season. It was just a crushing defeat and it led to just an awful performance, unfortunately a team performance against Atlanta at U.S. Bank Stadium. Did you feel you had an emotional hangover after after that game a little bit? But because it was it was right there to beat a, 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 a then an undefeated Seattle Seahawks team. Yeah, it's hard to say. I think every week is really its own entity, and I agree with you that um, there have been a couple losses this year where you do feel like you're one play away, and that's many times the way it is in wins too. That you're one play away from not winning. Um, that's just the way the league is. But uh, certainly, you know, against Atlanta. Uh, just not a great performance, and you know the the why again behind it. There's a variety of of answers you can give. You know whether or not previous games. I, you know I don't think that affects it. I think every week is its own entity. But um, um, you do try to understand how you can change. You know what you're doing so that that never happens again. Can you look at that performance overall? There were some blips in the Seattle game, like any game. You're going to have some ups and downs. But to say to yourself and this team inside that locker room that we have the talent. Uh, to win some football games when you play a team like Seattle and you're going into Green Bay, we'll get into that a little bit later. 
that that's at the top of the league basically in a lot of categories. Right. No, I, I think the second half of the game really uh, showed what we can be capable of as an offense. I think it was a very productive second half. Uh, we protected the football. We moved the ball. We had explosive plays. We spread the ball around. Um, you know, stayed on the field and had long, long drives. So I thought that was a great picture of what we can be. And uh, it doesn't help to only do it for one half. Uh, you have to do it for an entire game, for an entire season. But um, I think there are plenty of moments you can point to throughout the first uh, stretch of this season where we've put great things on tape and, and we can build on that. What does it do to your to a mindset of an offense and for the quarterback when you have a game like you had against Atlanta, the interception, the first play, and things went downhill in a hurry, and you basically have to rip up the game plan by halftime, try to run the ball, but you're playing really playing catch up in a league that's hard to do, and you're not you're not playing against the clock. You're just really you are playing against the clock. You're just trying to just to accumulate as many points as possible when you when you have an uphill battle like that. Yeah, that was the way the uh, second half of the game needed to go. It needed to be in a, more of a hurry-up mode. We certainly want to uh, still run the football when we can, and I think in other games where we've been down, uh, we have done a good job of still being willing to run the football and do so successfully. Uh, but certainly as the clock runs down and, and the margin uh, is large, then you're uh, you know, resorting to throw the football and, and try to get back as quickly as you can that way. But uh, um, you know, I think the offense has shown that when we're in games and – and when we are able to run the football situationally, the results have been really strong. And, uh, and that's a, another positive we can point to as we look forward to the, uh, you know, the remainder of the season, which is really a bulk of the season. I think we've got 10 games left, and that's a lot of football left to be played. Kirk, you said immediately after the, uh, the Atlanta game, if I keep throwing interceptions, I'm not going to be in there for long. Do you feel you could be benched? Is that what, you, is that what your sense was at that point? Like, or was it just the frustration of, I can't keep doing this? You know, I, I think the message that I was trying to convey, and again, I didn't do the best job articulating it, but uh, what I wanted to say was I don't take interceptions lightly, and I understand that they, they hurt the team, that there are consequences for them. Uh, but no, I, you know, I certainly believe that, uh, that I can play at a high level and that we can play through this and that you know, good days are ahead. So, uh, you know, I, I, again, could have done a better job articulating that, but that's really the heart that was, that was uh, behind what I said. Do you feel uh, the talent is still there in offense? You hope they have Dalvin Cook back to keep up in any game, despite what the the scoreboard says. That you can compete at with this talent you right now have on offense with uh, any team in the NFL. Yeah, talent's an interesting word because I think the talent is there. Talent doesn't guarantee anything, but when you do look at the offense and the roster, uh, there's a lot of players who have had success and done great things, not only in the past but this season. Uh, and you can go right down the list of names. Uh, so the talent's certainly there, and um, we have to put it all together for four quarters uh, and play as close to mistake-free football as we can, and, uh, and that'll help us you know, get, get some wins in, in the win column. You've done a good job of isolating yourself from uh, the outside world at times uh, when the criticism gets a little loud, and you know the quarterback's going to receive a lot of that. Uh, there are multiple reasons why this team is 1-5, and five, but... Do you personally try and just, again, staying away? Because, you know, the noise is getting loud about what is Kirk Cousins up to? Why doesn't he help this football team more? Why can't he win more games? You know, on and on and on. Yeah, you know, I don't try to go out and look for it. Uh, eventually, it, it, you know, you, you catch wind, but it's not something that uh, I'm delving deep into. So um, I probably hear more from you, Rosie, than from anybody. And, uh, and that's good. You know, I think it's good to uh, – um, you know, still understand it is what it is. I'm not going to be insulated. And um, um, you understand when you're one and five, you know, no matter how well you're playing, 
when when you're at the quarterback position, there's responsibility there, and um, and I think you, as a quarterback, you appreciate that opportunity, you know, to have responsibility and to have the football in your hands and to, you know, try to make things right. And that's where my focus will be as we, you know, come out of the bye and and look forward to. Uh, a big game in Green Bay and, and three straight division games. Uh, the Vikings traded Yannick Ngakwe for future draft choices. Uh, the rumors persist. Could be more trades even before the deadline next week. Do you get the sense that you're in a, that you hit to use the word rebuilding? Is there, is there still a concerted effort from Rick Spielman on that this is still, we got 10 games to go here. We're not thinking about next year. We're thinking about this year, even though they made the trade. Yeah, 10 games is a lot of football, a lot of football, and a lot can change in, in, certainly in 10 games, um, a lot can change in one week. So, uh, you know, and we as players, you know, we have so much to play for every single week. And our resume is what we put on tape week in and week out. And so for us, we rarely think beyond the next game, sometimes not even beyond the next day. And uh, that's just the way this, this league uh, works and the way that when we're on the inside of it, we, we have to work to be able to have success. So our focus gets very narrow. Um, and, uh, and it, it really is the best approach to, to have success. You've been looking at a lot of tape. Uh, one of the big uh, positives is a, a young man who's lit up this league. We've talked about it on this show quite a bit, Justin Jefferson. And, and what you've seen from the moment you were able to start practicing with him uh, post-COVID in terms of practice to where we are right now. And you keep saying he's just a natural receiver and all those sorts of things. But kind of summarize for fans, again, what, what you see with him and the connection you have and, and what, uh, what's, to, what's to come. Yeah, yeah, tremendous player, uh, tremendous teammate. Um, you know, you're always nervous when you have a first-round pick, rookie, wide receiver. You know, you, you wonder, is there going to be a diva to him? Is there going to be a lack of want to? Is there going to be a sense of entitlement? Those are just questions you're wondering, and you want to go out and work together. And it's been so great to see Justin's uh, work ethic, uh, his approach to the game, um, the fact that he has been on the details, and, and – uh, is just off to a great start. And so, yes, you love the production on the field. That's what it's all about. But you also love the person behind the production and the way he's going about his business, which, you know, probably leads to a lot of that production. So, um, you know, and I think it says a lot about our offense. Justin's not in a vacuum doing it by himself. So the fact that he can have that success goes back to Gary and the plays and, and the protection and, you know, other people doing their job to help get Justin open. So, um, you know, it's been it's been great to see his growth, and as you said, there's there's great days ahead too. I mean, it's only uh, uh, you know five six games into his into his career. Uh, Justin seems to have that raw uh, raw raw college sort of feel to him. Yet, I don't know how else to ask. Does a business sometimes just wear that down in you to understand you are in a business, or can you maintain that that kind of raw? Wide open eyes, wide open enthusiasm for the sport you're playing, in spite of it being a business. No, you definitely can maintain it. Uh, I think every player has to find what helps them play at their best, and whatever that is, maintain that. And uh, for some guys, it's bringing a lot of energy, being vocal, being wild, and I think that works for players. And and for others, it's being very methodical, uh, uh, borderline boring, just to be able to you know stay the course and not ride the roller coaster. So I think every player tries to find what that is. Um, and what works best for them because it's a competitive league and when you find something that works you need to stick with it and if that means you know having a a a youthful energy then by all means and in fact I think we could use a youthful energy I think it's a great uh, great thing to bring to work every day into this building to help everybody else and 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 uh, pick everyone else up how much do you miss 
being around the fans, both road road games, even road games, and they're booing you or whatever they are, and at home. <laughs> yeah, it's been a big difference. Um, to say it's our new normal, yeah, I guess we're getting accustomed to it a little bit because now we've we you know go into games and we understand our preparation. We're not talking about crowd noise the same way. Uh, but it is a it is a big difference when you think about what the atmosphere is like at U.S. Bank Stadium in 2018 and 19, and now what it is this year. Um, and on the road too, it's just it's just a different different experience. You know, playing on the road in the NFL is is usually such a challenge with communication, and uh, there's so much tension with the noise you're working under. I think of the playoff game last year in New Orleans and what that was like, and and to think that that's that element of the game or the element of, of communicating as a quarterback is taken away. It just is a big change. And obviously it's when you're the away team, it's for the better, but uh, it, it does make for a different feel this season, certainly. And we'll be right back with our best of segment with our best guest so far this season on Under Center with Kirk Cousins presented by Fleet Farm. It's game day any day. Play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mmlottery.com. Vikings Connected is a lighthearted look at the Vikings players and organization through social media, as well as a platform to showcase the big-time personalities on the team. Segments include fan favorites such as Skull, LOL, Purple Pups, and The Hot Dish. Plus, new additions like History Lessons, featuring comedian and diehard Vikings fan, Cy Amundsen. Returning for a seventh season, our co-hosts Aaron Newberg and Chris Hockey from KFAN and the wildly successful, highly talented Power Trip Morning Show. Catch this thing weekly, KMSP Fox 9 or Fox Sports North or via the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Information, Vikings.com slash connected. From camo and cat food to tools and tires, you'll find it all at Fleet Farm, your one-stop shop. Fleet Farm is the proud sponsor of Under Center. Welcome back to the show. It's time now to take a listen to some of the best sounds of the season from Under Center. Kirk, we have a very special guest today. Uh, some people refer to him as my other son, which is fine with me. Uh, six-time American League All-Star, AL MVP in 2009, three-time Gold Glove winner, three-time American League batting champion. But right now, he just likes to be called Dad. Of course, the one and only Joe Maurer, Kirk. And uh, one of you guys was recruited heavily out of high school to be a starting quarterback for college, but I can't remember which one that was. But, Kirk, I'll let you take it away. Well, first of all, Joe, thanks so much for joining us uh, today. It's a thrill to talk to you. Um, can you just kind of start by giving us an update as to where life is now and life as a dad and as a family man and now retired from from pro sports? Can you kind of give us an update? Yeah, sure. Um, thanks for having me, guys, and thanks, Rosie, for that introduction. That was great. But <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's uh, retired, which in my mind, I thought things were going to slow down a little bit, but uh, I have three children now and, you know, it's been crazy, but it's, it's been great. It's been great to be at home and, and to, uh, to first uh, hand see some of the, uh, the accomplishments that, uh, that they make every single day. Um, you know, I know you guys might know the story, but uh, I decided to retire on a Monday and my son, my, my son uh, was born on that Wednesday of that week. So 
that's what I've been doing in retirement. I dove right into uh, you know being full time dad, and and have been loving every minute of it. That's outstanding. Now, uh, how about personally with your time? I mean, do you have you picked up a baseball bat since the day you walked away? And how has it been learning a golf swing as opposed to a baseball swing? How, how's that process been? Yeah, well, I, I love golf. Um, I've been out there uh, a little bit more than I have in the past, and. Um, it's kind of hard to untrain um, 20 plus years of uh, you know a baseball swing, but it's uh, I enjoy it. I've been getting out there, and um, I just love to be outdoors um, whenever I can get a chance to get outside and and kind of show uh, my girls. And, and now Chip uh, is getting at a better age where I can get him out. But um, you know I enjoy being outdoors, uh, you know fishing, hunting, uh, playing golf, and um, you know, now I'm uh, enjoying watching uh, the Twins play. Now, I, I want to go back. Really, the most exciting piece of your history that I wanted to talk about was actually your football background, uh, specifically your quarterbacking background. Um, from what mm -hmm. I understand, you weren't just a great high school quarterback who had college offers. You were elite. You were uh, an All-American, a National Player of the Year type caliber player. The, the, the football school that gets thrown around a lot when they talk about you was Florida State. And I just kind of mm -hmm. wanted to understand, looking back, uh, what was that football journey like? And of all the schools out there, when you're that accomplished, what made Florida State the likely place for you to go? And and uh, can you kind of just talk me through that football background? Yeah, um, it seems like it was a long time ago. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and actually you got Rosie on here, probably can chime in too. He He's watched my... Uh, even my basketball career as well, um, you know, through the years. But, um, yeah, in high school, um, you know, bottom line, I think I just like to compete. You know, I loved athletics. I love sports. Um, for me in high school, um, playing the different sports was a great way for me to, uh, to meet new friends, uh, you know, develop um, better relationships with my, my classmates. And um, I was a pretty shy kid in, in high school. Um, you know, and I always use the term, I was pretty shy until I stepped on a field or on a court. Mm. Um, and that's, uh, was kind of my way where I, I love to get out there and compete and, you know, being the youngest of, uh, of three boys, um, you know, I had to figure out in an early age, if I wanted to play, I had to figure out how to, to get on the court or on the field. So, um, in high school, um, I enjoyed all the sports I played. I played basketball as well, um, football. And, um, you know, it was kind of my rule of thumb. It was when fall rolled around it was football season, when the winter came basketball season and spring is baseball season. So, I thought it was great for me to um, to kind of have that little change of pace. And um, I think in the end, it made me a better baseball player, hmm. you know, doing the different movements and moving around the field or the court, I think um, just developed my skills as an athlete and, and helped me uh, later on in my career. But, you know, having the, uh, the experience of being recruited by Bobby Bowden and, and some of the other uh, major programs, um, you know, Butch Davis was at Miami at the time. And, and actually I was at the time where he, made the transition to the NFL and they didn't really know who the quarterback or the head coach was going to be at Miami. And those were my two schools, Miami, Florida wow. state. And, um, you know, coach Coker ended up taking the job and, and, um, I got to know him really. And, you know, he would have been a great option, but, um, Bobby Bowden was, was fantastic. Um, Mark Richt was actually the offensive coordinator and, uh, he recruited me had a great relationship with him. And um, at the end, um, for football and, you know, um, that avenue that I would have taken to college, um, I, for me, it would have been the best option to go to Florida State. And, wow. and Bobby Bowden was fantastic. Wow. Kirk, we can see the, the man in the bottom of our screen, RTB. We know what that means. Roll the boat. 
the one and only P.J. Fleck, the head coach of the Minnesota Gophers. So as, as a fellow Big Ten guy, I'll let you take it away and let's delve deep into P.J. Fleck's mind today. Coach Fleck, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for coming on. I kind of want to go back and, and let you kind of tell your story. Uh, I'll ask a few questions along the way, but um, starting with when you were uh, uh, released by the 49ers as a player, you played in college at, at Northern Illinois, go to play with the 49ers. They release you. They offer you a job to coach with their team, which today would be very coveted. Uh, can you talk about, you know, was coaching always going to be your next step, whether you played 10 years in the NFL or one year, was that always going to be the next step? Or at the time, was that not on your radar? And how did you kind of process through that of, do I coach or do I keep trying to play? That's a great question. Um, you know, I wasn't a very good player. Um, they cut me my third year when they kind of found out I was still there. You know, I was one of those guys <laughs> that never, you know, he was always the 53rd guy or the, the practice squad player. And, did everything you could just to be able to have a role somehow, some way. And come the third year after another injury, I've had five shoulder surgeries. And, and uh, Mike Nolan, I remember calling me up to his office and, and cutting me, but also offered me a job within the next sentence. Uh, and wow. at the time, I knew I wanted to coach, but okay. I didn't have any coaching connections. I mean, my dad kills bugs for a living. My mom's a teacher's aide. We have no coaching in our background, but we do have education. And I have an elementary education degree. I was going to teach sixth grade social studies. I basically, coming out of college, had a job lined up and then played in the NFL. So um, it really takes people to kind of get you to where you truly want to be. And Mike, Mike Nolan is a guy who I still talk to to this day, who's really the trailblazer of my career. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. So uh, he offered me a job. And like an idiot, I declined it uh, because I got another offer to from Jim Tressel to go be a GA in college at Ohio State because his GA couldn't get into school at the last minute. Wow! So for me, it was one of those things: do I stay in do I stay in coaching the NFL? Which, again, like you said, maybe a little bit more coveted, and you have an opportunity to get in the NFL. And but at the at the same time, I was going to coach guys I just competed against. And yeah. we all think we're pretty good. So I'm going to coach guys that I think I'm still better than, right? And it was hard. I think I needed that hard, concrete separation. And the only way I was going to be able to do that was to go back to college and really start the career. And, and that's what I decided to do. Could I have possibly been a journeyman and NFL Europe was back then? Could I have played maybe three, four, five more years somehow, some way and jumped around to practice squads? Maybe, but I think it was um, – I've always looked for, for fate and, and certain spiritual moments in my life that are, 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 you know, God's telling me something, and I felt that was the right time. And so God done playing. Uh, I didn't have a big career as it was. It wasn't that hard of a decision. But then, you know, going to be a GA and going to the national championship at Ohio State started everything for me. So Mike Nolan, who believed in me as a coach, and then Jim Tressel really got my yeah. – my career going if you could pick two guys to start your career and those are two pretty good guys if you don't know anybody to really kind of jump start your life from camo and cat food to tools and tires you'll find it all at fleet farm your one-stop shop fleet farm is a proud sponsor of under center it's game day any day play the new vikings scratch game from the minnesota lottery with a top prize of one hundred thousand dollars are you game just say i'm in Get more details at mmlottery.com. Welcome back to the show. Let's listen in again on more of our best sounds of the season on Under Center. Justin, coming out of college and a prolific uh, passing school like LSU, uh, there are a lot of guys that have good speed, good hands, can run the ball pretty well. What have you found in your early time in the NFL? What separates uh, the ones that do make it 
like yourself right now and the ones who have trouble adjusting to the NFL game? What have you discovered about your own skill set and how more of a, maybe the mental part of the game as well? Uh, well, mentally, um, I've just been around football for, you know, all my life, having two older brothers uh, to play before me at a high level like LSU, um, you know, just them just teaching me all of the insides and uh, the different ways to think about, you know, football. Uh, my older brother was a quarterback, so he taught me, you know, defensive schemes and uh, the different coverages of what d uh, defenders do and different, you know, types of sets. So, um, you know, having having brothers like that and uh, going against my brother in one-on-one -on -one since he a, a safety, um, you know, those battles was always, uh, you know, competitive. <laughs> so uh, me going out there on Sundays, um, you know, I just think of it being the same way, just competing against my brothers and um, just, you know, making a play. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do with this team and uh, to bring excitement to the Vikings. Yeah, uh, Jordan Jefferson, who uh, is one of Justin's older brothers, uh, was my age in college. So we were both seniors together. We both went to the combine together. He was a quarterback like I was. And uh, to this day, he may have the strongest or one of the strongest arms I've ever seen. We were at the, at the Manning camp in Thibodeau, Louisiana. And Justin says as a young kid, he might have been there. We were going, Jordan and I, his, his older brother, were going into our senior year. It was the summer before our senior year. We're at the Manning camp. And they kind of give us a chance to air it out and uh, and throw it some targets and kind of show off your arm. And nobody, nobody could hang with his older brother, Jordan, in terms of how far he threw <laughs> it, how hard he threw it. And they ended up that year going all the way to the national championship game. He had a great senior year. So uh, when they when we drafted Justin, I thought he comes from good stock. If he's been catching his older brother's passes <laughs> at all over the last few years, and if his older brother was talking, who's now in, as a coach, his, his brother's now a coach, but I said – if he's been around him at all talking football, he comes from good stock and he'll be ready to go. And certainly, Justin, you've shown that. But talk about, uh, you know, Jordan and kind of following his career, watching him play. That was back when I was playing. You were young. You're going to make me feel old. But uh, talk about kind of growing up, being around big time football before you were doing it yourself. Um, well, you know, when Jordan was going into uh, LSU, I was probably – uh, I want to say nine, nine years old. So uh, going to – those type of atmosphere uh, like LSU and uh, just hearing, you know, the the noise of the fans and uh, watching those Alabama games, Florida games and those top SEC schools, um, me just having goosebumps in those stands, just watching it all. And, you know, I've seen Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthews, uh, you know, all of those different types of guys uh, go through there. So, uh, you know, 12 years of my life was dedicated to LSU and, you know, watching LSU games. Kirk, our special guest uh, tonight is Eric Wilson, who is the only player in the NFL right now with two quarterback sacks and two interceptions, which is saying something. And uh, I know a teammate that you really enjoy playing with of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, Eric Wilson, thanks so much for joining the show. want to ask you a few questions, allow our fan base to get to know you a little better. But uh, just talk about your growth as a player. It seems like every year you've taken on a bigger role with our team, with our defense, with our special teams. Talk about that growth and uh, what it's like now this year uh, with the role you're in. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been a journey. It's definitely been a journey. You know, like you said, I think my role has has developed each and every year. Uh, I think my first year I started off on on special teams. Uh, second year did the same thing. Had a little bigger role on defense, and that role on defense has been growing each and every year. And 
And I think this year specifically, I felt like each and every game, you know, I've gotten better, you know, in, in different, I guess, aspects of, of playing linebacker. And, and I think, um, you know, it's been, been noticeable, noticeable for, for me. And, you know, I think, um, you know, just in my play and, you know, kind of similarly, I think, honestly, I think our, our team each and every game this year is, is getting better um, in each and every game. So, you know, that's exciting. Is it different being a full-time starter as opposed to the role you've had of being a special teamer and then jumping in and out of different personnel now that you're on the field so much? Is there anything different in your preparation or the way you go about it? Um, you know, I think I've always prepared to, to be a starter and to be playing, you know, as much as I am. Um, I think, uh, you know, in terms of getting body work done and recovery. I think that's huge, uh, making sure that you're taking care of your body so you can perform at your best and, you know, you're feeling 100% each and every week. I think that that's really important too. I want to ask you a little bit about your relationship with uh, both Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, obviously two great players on our team, two great players in our league. They've been doing it for a long time. Uh, it seems like you three have a great relationship. Obviously you play the same position, you, uh, you know, kind of sharpen each other, but also in the off season, you spend a lot of time together, train together. Talk about that relationship and the dynamic of you guys pushing each other. Yeah. Yeah. We have a great relationship. Uh, I think when I first came in, you know, those guys kind of took me under their wing, you know, I didn't, um, you know, know much about the league, but they gave me every tidbit that they could to, to make me better. And not only that, but to make us better. Um, so we could compete, um, you know, against each other just to make each other better and make sure we're, we're all on our P's and Q's, and, uh, you know, I appreciate them, and I have so much love for them. Um, and, yeah, we make each other better. Uh, we make each other better each and every day, uh, making sure um, that we're on our, in our details and on our communication and just leading each other and, and leading our, our team. I think it's, it's really important for us to, to be the leaders of the defense because we kind of – we're in between the D-line and the DBs, and we kind of have to bring everything together. And so uh, I think that relationship has definitely developed in the off season. We spend a lot of time together uh, training in the off season, which, which definitely helps us, you know, get to know each other more. What does your training look like? How do you guys like to train when you're out in California or wherever you are getting your work in? Yeah, we actually train. Um, we actually usually train early in the mornings, I think uh, eight o'clock. And then we had this past off season, you know, we trained early. We trained before our virtual meetings, so that was gotcha. nice to get that out of the way. And um, then we might do some like some ball drill, field work afterwards. Um, being in LA, we we had some beach workouts before uh, the beach was shut down. But yeah, typically we, you know we get after it. we we have fun. And then you know in Cali, we've been training in Cali, so we just enjoy the weather and just just relax and you know just have fun. Honestly, yeah. And we'll be right back to preview next week's game against the Green Bay Packers on Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Park. Join me, Paul Allen, along with former Vikings linebacker and current radio analyst Ben Lieber after every Vikings game as we host Between the Lines. Analyze the game, break it down from all angles, and discuss what it means for your favorite team moving forward. Watch each week via Vikings.com, Vikings app, YouTube, and all of the team's other digital and social platforms. For information, visit vikings.com slash between the lines. 
After every Vikings game this season, make sure to log on to the team's digital and social platforms to watch Vikings Post Game Live, a new streaming post game show providing fans with highlights, post game sound from head coach Mike Zimmer and players, analysis, and much more. Fans can watch live or on demand via Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. For more, visit Vikings.com slash show. Innovative Office Solutions and the Minnesota Vikings are teaming up to put the spotlight on nonprofit organizations doing good in the community that surrounds us. Nominate a deserving organization by going to community.innovativeos.com. Innovative Office Solutions is the hometown provider of office essentials and furniture to the Minnesota Vikings. Are you all in? And welcome back with Kirk Cousins, uh, the Green Bay Packers, uh, on, on top of the world right now. Uh, you started the season with a 43-34 loss to them at U.S. Bank Stadium, and not a lot's changed. Certainly they've had their share of injuries as well, but what comes to mind going into Lambeau, minus the fans, uh, trying to get off the, uh, to, to get your second win this year? Yeah, I mean, you have to focus on, you know, your role, and that's as an offense going against their defense, you know. So um, what are the things we can do, you know, looking back to, the first game of the year. I, I remember getting off to a great start with a touchdown drive on the first drive of the year. You know, couldn't have started better, really. Um, you know, we ran the ball, we threw the ball. It was productive. And then uh, we had that safety. And so that, that was a turnover there. And then we had a turnover before the half. And that led to points. And, um, and so we kind of dug ourselves into a hole that wasn't too big to climb out of, but it certainly made life tougher for us. And, um, uh, you know, moved the ball late in the game really well. You know, ended up scoring 34 points. But um, I just remember the turnovers hurt us early, and uh, and then it was you know too big of a, of a hole to climb out of in the second half, and so we need to get out to a, I would say a faster start, but we started fast with the first drive, but after that need to have a better better uh, first half. And as we look through the the last several games of the year, you know the, our third quarters there's been a lot that we've left out there, and so I think it's going to be important uh, no matter what the first half looks like that our third quarter, um, you know, is really strong and uh, gives us a great chance then in the fourth quarter. If you were to look at that Seattle game, uh, most of it is, is a blueprint to what you have to do. The time of possession uh, was extraordinary. The, keeping the ball away from Russell Wilson, is that sort of the same mindset when you're playing an Aaron Rodgers-led Packers offense? Well, I do think that when we can run the football, uh, it helps us, you know, and we can put together longer drives, we can run clock. I think time of possession just helps. I think it helps our defense not so much for less time, but just the rest they can get. You know, they can really strategize and, and catch their breath and, you know, be able to then play downhill when they get back in the game. So, um, you know, I, I do think that, you know, our ability to convert third down, stay on the field, run the ball well, run clock uh, is a great way for us to help our defense and really, you know, play as a team in that way. The NFL is arguably the, the ultimate team sport. So, Kirk, when you're breaking down film and, the Packers have had injuries like every team in the secondary. You start looking at tape. You look at potential matchups, maybe players that haven't been in there that long to take advantage of. Uh, just it's natural. It's what, what other teams have been doing with, with the Vikings as well as you approach and your, the coaching staff approaches the game plan. Yeah, we've now played the Packers and Coach Pettin as a defensive coordinator. I've played them for um, 18, 19, and now 20, so really five times in the last three seasons, and this will be our sixth or my sixth. And um, you know, you do get familiar with, with what they're trying to do, obviously, when they go out and get new players like they did last year in a couple key spots, the scheme can change. And so you have to adapt there. And uh, even within a season when they have injuries and, uh, you know, last year they had a, a great 
middle linebacker and Blake Martinez who left in free agency. So that can change a scheme. So you're just always, uh, you know, kind of evaluating a moving target of what are they doing well, what are they uh, still doing that we know and are familiar with, and then what have they changed. And, um, um, you know, they have some really good players. They do have a good scheme. They disguise their scheme well. And uh, as in any game, the biggest piece is let's not gift them anything. Let's not give them something. Uh, and if we make them earn it, you know, usually uh, you're going to be in every game down to the, down to the end. How important, Kirk, is it to have the consistency uh, in that locker room day by day without knowing, even if, if you were 5-1 and one or 1-5, one and five, if I walked into your locker room, that you really wouldn't know the difference. Can you, can you, is that easily maintained despite the fact you do have that 1-5 record? That it's a, There's a business approach. There's also a pride approach to what you guys are up to? Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, this is our jobs, and this is, you know, our professionally, we get evaluated every every time we step on the field, not just on game day, but, you know, we're getting evaluated by coaches and by our staff when we're out of practice. And so every single day you come in, you understand that. And uh, the record doesn't change the fact that you're being evaluated. And um, if anything, that only makes us, you know, be even more consistent regardless of the record. And uh, you know, I think it creates a level of professionalism that's a really good thing. So we also have a lot of young players who have a lot to prove, and uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna bring the same energy regardless of the record, uh, obviously. So you just keep going, you keep working, you keep playing, and uh, and you believe. And when you do that, you know, I I do think that good things can can be in store. Well, as you mentioned a couple times, you have ten games left. This is it's not like we're in the last. You got three to go, and people are thinking about the draft next year or what this is going to be happening with my own situation. That's a lot of football you got to play yet. It is a lot of football, and um, and that's you know we take we take pride in that, knowing that uh, people will oftentimes forget how you start. I think people will always remember how you finish. And uh, with ten games left, if you can finish at a high level, I believe ultimately that will uh, tell the story of our season. And so. You know, I, 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 I'm encouraged by that uh, fact and uh, looking forward to getting back to work. Have you gone through a situation like this in Washington? I thought you came close uh, at one point. Yeah, I've been through it all uh, in my journey. I even <laughs> go back to college and, and you know, the different uh, ups and downs you have and the learning curve and the failures you, you grow from. Um, but, yes, in Washington, you know, I was a part of some a couple down years back-to-back but 2015 was when I, I really uh, started from beginning to end of the season. And uh, uh, at that point, you know, going forward, haven't been in this spot. But in 2014, uh, I was. And uh, I started about five or six games in the middle of the year and uh, didn't win many of them and did, did turn the ball over uh, in that stretch. And so you learn from that and, and you, you grow from that. And I think you lean on that experience now to remind yourself how to be resilient and um, I think that's where being a veteran player in this league, you can not only take, um, you know, grow from those previous experiences, but you can also help the rest of the locker room grow as well. Well, we'll see how the injury report goes the rest of the week, but everyone's hopeful that uh, obviously the Dalvin Cook uh, can return against Green Bay because we know how important. You know, Aaron Jones missed last week's game uh, for Green Bay, but uh, those are two of the better backs in the league that you they'd like to see on the field on Sunday, especially Dalvin. Right. I think that's the uh, benefit of a bye week. You know, when we came out of Seattle, we knew that you know, we'd probably lose Dalvin for the Atlanta game, but then you have a bye, and then you have an entire week after the bye to get to Sunday. So you really have a three-week period from the end of the Seattle game to kickoff of Green Bay, and we knew that that three-week window was 
was going to be very beneficial for Dalvin to heal up, and that's where you know a bye comes in handy. So, um, and not just Dalvin, but anybody who's banged up on our team, and um, you know, hopefully we can really use that. And guys in general, I think we're able to take advantage of the bye, getting treatment, taking care of their bodies, such that you know we can get back this week and feel really good. With a a, a rare Sunday off, if you get a chance to watch any NFL football on Sunday, yeah, you watch the league and you get to see it from a different perspective when you're not you know, going about to go into a game or just coming out of a game, but but to really just sit and watch. It's really the only time during the entire season you do that in that capacity where all the games are on. And um, uh, it's kind of a unique feeling. You feel like you should be out there, and yet you're trying to rest and enjoy the day off. And uh, uh, you learn a lot. You know, every single game, situations come up, and, uh, you know, things happen where you, you pick something up and you say, okay, you know, if I'm in that situation, how am I going to handle this, and what can I learn from it? I don't know if you caught any of the Seattle-Arizona game on Sunday night. That was one of the wildest games. And Seattle uh, finally yeah. lost in a, in a different <laughs> way. But, uh, yeah. did you? I mean, as a fan, can you enjoy that game? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if enjoy is the word. You study it, you watch it. Um, <laughs> it was interesting to see, you know, the cover zero blitzes that were brought at the end of the game, that uh, mm-hmm. penalties that end up having such a huge impact on the final score. Um, you know, you see how turnovers play a big role. Uh, you see how special teams comes in and makes makes a big difference in, in a lot of these games, especially at the end. And so many at the end of these games, they're so close. And the situational uh, moments, you know, handling the clock and handling timeouts and, and knowing where to go with the football based on the situation is such a big deal at the end of these games. And, uh, and they really can determine, you know, the difference between a win and a loss many, many times. You've played with uh, your share of wide receivers. Uh, I, I don't think I don't, you don't face Arizona this year, but do you have the interactions with Larry Fitzgerald Jr. Because, uh, as we like to say, he's one of us. But yeah. what a model citizen! What a model yeah. football player! Uh, someone, I think the announcer was saying, if he wants to run for president of the United States, I mean, I don't think there's any limitations to what Larry Fitzgerald Jr. is capable of. I think you're right. I think he has a great story. Uh, you know, a Minnesotan. Uh, he still comes back quite a bit in the summer and gets his work in here to get ready for every training camp. And uh, um, it, he's just a great example of what it looks like when you do things the right way over a long period of time, uh, treat people well, uh, how it comes back to you and how you can really, you know, build up for yourself quite a life. And uh, and he certainly has. So um, great example for a lot of young people to look up to and follow. And hopefully he can inspire a lot of others to follow in his footsteps. So as we wrap things up here, uh, as far as the keys to to winning in Green Bay, uh, you'll be big underdogs, but they probably like it that way against the the Packers, a team that, uh, you know, you need no other introduction to from a fan's perspective. It's the Vikings and the Packers, no matter what the records are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's the NFL. Anything can happen any week. Uh, You know that when you're the underdog, and you know that when you're favored to win. So you just stay the course and play through everything. And um, you know, you don't expect a perfect game. You know, there's going to be moments that don't go your way, but uh, you do know that you know. Hey, if we can protect the football, win the turnover margin, you know, keep the penalties at a minimum, um, you know, stop beating ourselves, stop you know gifting opportunities to the other team. Uh, we know that, as we talked about earlier, there's talent on offense. There's plays that we can make. We've been explosive. We know we can run the ball. Uh, all those things that um, you know can really put us in a great position to uh, to win the game. And to finalize, first chance I've had a chat with you since uh, the passing of Sid Hartman, uh, a, a man I knew for a very, very long time, and I'm sure you had your interactions with him like everyone in the Twin Cities had uh, from an athletic standpoint. 100 years uh, doing this for basically his entire life. Anything come to mind when you think of Sid Hartman? Yeah, you know, just speaking of Larry, I'd, I'd use some of the same 
uh, terms, just someone who, you know, it goes to show when you have a passion, when you devote yourself to that passion, when you reach out to people to help them, to impact them, it's just amazing to see the legacy you leave, the impact you end up having, the difference you make, the number of people uh, you can really touch in a positive way. So, um, and, and I'm one of those people. And uh, I, I, you know, after meeting Sid and then being around him for the last couple of years, I got to see what made him who he was, you know, for 100 years and what gave him such a special career. And uh, he led such a life of impact. I remember uh, my first or second week in 2018, it was early in the season, I went to dinner with him at Murray's. And uh, of course, and he was 99 <laughs> at the time and uh, uh, just had a great night. You know, Bob Hagan was there with me, Sid's longtime friend who works here with the Vikings. And Bob, you know, helped kind of translate with him because Sid's hearing was was limited. Right. But uh, we had a great dinner and I'm so glad we got to do that. And, uh, um, you know, he set a great, great example for uh, for all of us who, who live in this area. Well, Kirk, thanks a lot for spending some time with us today, our sports hero, Kirk Cousins. Anyway, Kirk, thanks so much for being with us. We'll talk. Good luck in Green Bay this week. All right. Thanks so much, Rosie. Okay. And again, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farms.